I'm Jill Shaw, and you're listening to Catalyst for Change, brought to you by the Shaw Family Foundation. In each podcast, we talk with game changers who are applying entrepreneurial tactics to solve systemic problems in ways that are replicable and sustainable. Today, I'm talking with Tony Benoit, the president of Benjamin Franklin Institute. Tony is the 12th president of the Benjamin Franklin Institute of Technology, and under Tony's leadership, BFIT has added seven new technology programs, expanded its student support and career services, and created an accelerated degree program for high school students. He is passionate about providing pathways through affordable higher education to high-paying jobs for the young people of Boston, particularly those who may not have other opportunities. Tony was also named to Governor Baker's Task Force on Economic Opportunity for Populations Facing Chronically High Rates of Unemployment. He's a member of the Community Advisory Group for the Lewis Family Foundation and a member of the Mass High Tech Council and a board member of the Massachusetts Business Roundtable. He has degrees in molecular biophysics and biochemistry from Yale, psychology from Connecticut College, and environmental engineering from the University of Connecticut. And for 17 years before moving into education, he ran an environmental laboratory and consulting firm that supported businesses, individuals, and water companies in public health and regulatory compliance. Tony, welcome. Thank you, Jill. Thank you so much for being here. So to kick it off, tell us why you moved into education. Well, I was in the environmental business, as you just said, and I did not, I couldn't find people to work for me. Um, it was a small company, but still we couldn't get, you know, we'd have work that would take too long or we would just turn it away because we knew we wouldn't get it done. And the, uh, that was in the, um, it was in the early 90s. Okay. And the local technical college was interested in some, doing some programming related to the environment. And so they called me. And I started teaching some courses to people who were trying to change careers. They, you know, there was a shift in the Connecticut economy. And, and I, I was teaching stuff. And I said, boy, this is, this is exactly the stuff that my employees would need to know. Huh. Makes sense, right? So um, I got more and more involved at the college, at the, at the technical college and eventually created a whole degree program in environmental technology. And the school wanted someone to run it full time and, yeah. and you know, get, get all the, the parts moving in the right direction. And so I started to be more and more involved in education. And for f- several years, actually, I was doing both. I was full-time faculty member and running a business, which no I don't kidding. recommend. Yeah, it was um, <laughs> pretty busy. Um, and eventually I sold the business and, and stayed on the education side. And why? Was it more well, exciting than yeah, the business um, I think that I, what, what, what really appealed to me is I could see for that first group of students that I taught or the, you know, the early students, they were, they were experiencing some of the uh, negative consequences of economic change. Mm-hmm. Right? This is where, this is in Connecticut? In Connecticut, yep. yeah. In Hartford? Uh, no, I, the college was in Norwich, Connecticut. Norwich, okay, so, yeah. I mean, that's, Norwich is uh, less than an hour from Hartford, so yep. it's, it, we think of it as quite distinct place, but it's close by. Right. And uh, it was it was great because I saw that that sort of technical college or community, which eventually changed its name to community college, mm-hmm. the um, that that sort of education was very accessible to a broad range of people mm. and really helped people discover strengths that they may not have known they had, uh. and then put those strengths to work to make a living. And so it was it was a lot of fun because right. people were learning stuff that they thought was really cool yep. and different and yep. valuable. Right. And that that's hard to resist that. Right? It was it's exciting. It's very exciting. Wonderful How did you end see. up here in Boston then? 
So I um, worked at the community college. I, I sold my business, became a full-time administrator, actually, eventually, at the community college. And I saw that Benjamin Franklin Institute of Technology was looking for an academic dean. And it was a school that was very uh, consistently committed to that objective, Mm -hmm. right? Education is a way to move people forward, people who might not have another convenient way to move forward. And that was very appealing to me. The community college was great, but there were so many different ideas about what the place should be that it was sometimes frustrating. Right. And so I... I really didn't want to move to Boston. I mean, I, you know, I grew up in New England, and I've had a sibling living in or near Boston pretty much since I can remember. Yeah. But um, I, I had never lived here myself. Well, I lived one summer when I was in college in Boston. But so I went to the interview really just because you know when you're working, you should keep your skills sharp and you know, yeah. every now and then put yourself to out see there. What was yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So I went up and I met the people, huge search committee, and I said, "Wow, this is. I may have to move to Boston. This huh. is amazing." I loved the way. The, everyone I met on that search committee, and then eventually I met just about everybody at the school in the, yeah. in the course of the interview process, everyone there was deeply committed to the success of the students. Mm. Like it, was, it, it was very, it, it was palpable. Was right? the student body, did it look like it does today? It was similar characteristics? Uh, it, it, it looked fairly, that was only in 2011, so it wasn't that long right, ago. Right. And it looked fairly similar to the student body now. Yeah. I think there were... Um, at that time, we were we had access to a few um, like uh, cheap hotel rooms across the street, okay. and so there were a few people from further afield. Huh. Um, okay. It was not hard for them to come there, and not expensive. Um, that quick that window quickly closed. I mean, the South End was well yes. on its way to being what it is now. So, right. um, so we don't have as many students from you know more than fifty miles away. Okay. Uh, but otherwise it very similar. You know, if if you took one of those students, one of the today's students, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart. And just so so that for people who are listening, what 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 are the characteristics of a student who goes to Benjamin Franklin? So the students who come to Benjamin Franklin are they're young. They're mm-hmm. um, typically right out of high school, maybe a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not people who have already been in a career or have been for some time seeking a career. Right. Um, so they're typical age, but they're not typical college students in any other way. Uh, about half of them are the first in their family to go to college. So they don't, they didn't grow up with everyone around them saying, well, when you go to college, dot, dot, dot. Right. Right? So they don't, they're not familiar with the process. Um, they, they, don't, they don't know what's involved. Uh, so I really, I mean, we talk about entrepreneurial. I mean, it's a very entrepreneurial act for these young people to say, I don't care what the people around me are doing. I'm going to go do this because I, I think it's a great way to. And is that, how do they, how do they end up at your doorstep? How do they end up applying to the school? That is a, that's a very important question for us because not enough of them are doing that. We're, we're working really hard to, to raise the number. Uh, yeah. There's more, there's more jobs than we're able to fill now. You know, we, we, Interesting. we run out of graduates before we run out of jobs to place them in. Really? Yeah. So, um, we, uh, we develop, uh, relationships, partnerships with the high schools in Boston, mm-hmm. uh, some high schools more than others at Madison Park, technical vocational high schools yep. are probably our number one partner, uh, Burke high school in Dorchester, yep. um, uh, East Boston, Eastie is now sort of growing and, you know, a number of other high schools like that in the city. And, and do you spend time in the schools targeting kids? Do you spend time with teachers? Do you spend time with the administration? How, how does it, yes, as your yes, marketing, yes. all of it? Okay. Um, the primary mechanism is our admissions counselors mm-hmm. 
will go and visit the high school. And we try to work out a way that they can actually just sit with students who might be interested. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we will also do events where we invite them. But um, the best thing is if we can go um, and talk to them. And, and what are they most compelled by? Are they compelled by the, the message of the school and, and the programs that they can take? Are they compelled by this notion that you are really trying to point them towards a job and that you have relationships with employers? What, or is it something else? They just like you? You bring food? <laughs> well, the food, food definitely helps yeah. uh, with students and faculty yeah. alike, actually. Yes. Every, everyone likes food. Everyone does. Um, it's so but, true. Um, so I think there's a few things that they find uh, intriguing or compelling even. Um, one is that our all of our programs are designed to land you in a good job right after graduation. And right? what, so what's a good job? Um, so there are jobs that, broadly speaking, you might say you, you're going to work as a technician. Right? Okay. So a technician is like an engineer, but there's not nearly as much math, and you actually get to touch the things you're working on. Right? Okay. Engineers get lost in thought or in a computer, um, and not the computer is the tool, not the you know, right. not the thing they're working on. Right. Um, and what's, what's like the average salary? Um, right out of school, they'll earn, you know, upper 30s, lower 40s. Okay. Um, though this year, there's some real bright spots. There's some in the 50s and a few in the 60s. That's great. Um, and the median family income when they come in is like twenty four, twenty five thousand. 25000 So, you know, $38,000, $40,000 a year job is really it's a deal. huge change for that household. Uh. Um so they they like the idea that this is going to get me to a good job, yeah. right? That's it's a motivating thing, which I really I admire their ability to, to sort of see that clearly and totally. hold on to it and, totally. and, and pursue it. Right. They also, you know, there's a lot of hype about college in the U.S. and young people are bombarded with these messages about college, and it's it's interesting because I think a lot of our students they see those messages, mm. they're affected by them. But they understand the sort of the hidden messages, well, this isn't for you, right? right? Because the, the, the people in the ads may not look like them, mm-hmm. they don't talk like them, they don't come from the same backgrounds. Mm-hmm. The, they don't quite understand the value system that has led to, you know, the things that they're emphasizing, they don't, yeah, I mean, they might be able to understand it in the abstract, but it's not where they live. That's what, well, I was going to say, it is actually very abstract, this notion that college will yes. put you into a position for a better life, whatever, quote unquote, that is. That's that's true. And at some institutions, it's a very abstract thing. I, mean, I, yeah. think, I think that uh, higher education uh, traditionally over, you know, say, 100 years or so in the U.S., and actually more so even before that, uh, is a... It was a way that people who were well-to-do and who had all sorts of opportunity could spend a little more time sort of building their their base, right? They right. could they could learn how to interact with others from their class mm. and uh, learn some more of the you know the written and unwritten rules about how you do that and build their network. They would pick up skills, no doubt. I mean, you learn. Of course, I think I think people have been learning in college for a long time. Yes. that's not a new thing. I think that's right. Um, and that then they would leave that with some skills, but it was more about sort of who they had become and who they had met yeah. as much as what they had learned. Absolutely. And the College for All movement, which actually I think is on the decline now, but we've had you know, 20 years of saying, well, everybody should, you know, the, the right. way to move people ahead is, you know, send everybody to a four-year college. Right. Well, a four-year college degree is a great thing. 
But if you don't have those resources that typically went to college with the students, mm -hmm. you're not going to get nearly as much out of it. Totally. And yeah. Can you talk about that for a second? Because it's interesting to me. So, so you described three different open enrollment high schools in um, Boston as yeah. places that um, where you attract students, and and so by default, you're you're already not in a pool of students who are inclined to their trajectory is not a predictable, you know, I'm going to an exam school or a school where I've enrolled myself and then I'm going on to college. So my expectations potentially are different if I'm in that open enrollment school. And then and then I may not be doing well, right? When you show up, I could I could be doing fairly poorly. And so how as a student as as you walk in the door, um, how do you talk to me about one why I should go to the school too. How in the world am I going to pay for that? How do students think about that? And then not just paying for school, you got to pay for life. Right. Because you're right. talking about you know, the family circumstances right. or they're living in poverty. Right. And, and so how, how does that all play out? And how do you, especially the part, well, you should talk about how, how do they pay for school, but also how do they pay for life? So I, I can start with that or I can start with the, the other half. Of yeah. it is how do they sort of... You can go whichever. Okay. Whichever way uh, you want. Um, so... Um, I'll come back to the finances in a minute. Yeah. The um, a lot of our students, the students who make their way to Benjamin Franklin, don't they don't enjoy school. They um, they they don't identify themselves. They don't think of themselves as scholars. Mm. In fact, unfortunately, a lot of them. The best they've heard from the system is if if you keep quiet, we'll ignore you. Right. right? And that which is better than we're going to get you. Right. right. Which is what some of them have heard. Right. Um, and so they found a way to sort of get by by staying more or less out of the way, right, out of sight. Yeah. And so one of our big principles is we pay attention, right? We we and and people notice that, right? When you when you talk to someone, you look totally. them in the eye, and you you listen to what they have to say, you ask yeah. them questions. That's a different experience for them. And our admissions counselors are, I mean, they're not like me, right? I mean, nobody would pay any attention to me. What? But, I think well, that's crazy. the average kid in high school. Oh yeah, yeah, it yeah. very okay. very quickly realizes that I'm not relevant. Going right? to tune you out, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would I have to offer? Right. Um, but our admissions counselors, you know, they're they're very similar to the students. They, you know, they come from the same background. Mm. They've had different educational pathways. They typically didn't go to a technical school, mm -hmm. but a lot of them have had very similar experiences, and certainly they understand the sort of yeah. the thinking and the and the culture, and so um, that strikes up a conversation. And that I think is, I think that's a very important thing. When they visit the campus, and we always try to get, you know, if you're interested, just hop yeah. on the 43 bus. We're just right down the street there. Right. And so they, um, they come into the school and you can see it that they're like, oh, this is college. You know, this yeah. is not, this is different than those brochures that are in that office down the hall, right? Right. And, and you can see them saying, well, I could do this. Yeah. And, and actually, it's interesting, when they visit, like no one knows that they're not students there. Right. right? I mean, everyone thinks they're students because they look they're only a couple of years younger right. or a year or so. And that, I think, is a very powerful thing, that they, it changes the way they think about themselves. Um, Are they I, treated, they're treated differently? Exactly, that's right. That's they're, so treated, they're treated, I would say, treated like adults, but it's more that the With people respect. there exactly yeah. people recognize their talent yeah. and um that's a very important thing um our students you know there's quite a bit of different approaches to learning even mm -hmm. among our students but 
Typically, they are people whose intelligence and creativity is expressed through their hands as much as through their voice. Okay. Right? And our educational system mm. very much prioritizes the voice and the word over the hand. Yeah. Right? Um, in fact, we go out of our way to say, you know, keep your hands still, right? <laughs> we don't like it when people are doing things. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. And so... So even so, these kids could even do better in, in a world where they were surrounded by project-based learning curriculum. Almost certainly. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. It, it's... And, I mean, we, we talk about our learning being hands-on, and, and very often it's literally like you actually yeah. pick something up, right? Yeah. But I think it's it, it's some of it's a little more subtle than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know that at the highest levels of American education, we expect you to learn something that has no connection to reality, right? right? Like you have to learn something that is purely abstract, right. right? Like that's considered you know the smartest people can learn things that have absolutely no value to anyone, yes. right? And <laughs> and so, and we reward that. Whereas we say, well, this is really important because you know. A year from now, two years from now, you're going to need it on the job. Someone's yeah. going to pay you a lot of money because you know this, right? right? So that's a very motivating thing. Yeah. And, and even if it's not about you know, a job that pays me money, it's, everyone says, well, why would I, why would I want to know this, right? right. What, 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 what does this have to do with what I know already? Right. And so we try, to, we try to anchor everything in what you know already, right? right. What this, what's this like? What's it connect to? And you know, I joke that, you know, our students are in that, you know, that narrow 90% of the population that learn much better when they understand what they're learning, right? Right, right. So, um, so that's another, sort of another hook. Yep. Um, but, but it's, I think it's that combination. That, you know, this is learning that you, you, you understand why you would want to learn it. Are they, we're going to go back to how yeah. they pay yeah. for this, but yeah. do, with, are they comparing when they're going to visit Benjamin Franklin, are they also going to visit some of the community colleges in town, or are they are they actually comparison shopping, or not necessarily? Um, kind of, it's amazing uh, that they've gone through one door. Yes and no. It, it's it, it's an interesting thing. So, like all colleges, we look when we bring in a class in the fall, and mm. we have actually you can start in either September or January. Okay. Though probably three to one September starts over January starts. Yeah. When you come in, so so what we do is we say, so of the people who applied to college, applied to us, who came, right? Yeah. And, and we look and then we say, well, the ones who didn't come, what, what did they do? Yeah. And we can, we have a way of finding out if they enrolled somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And actually of our applicants, you know, 25 to 30% will enroll at Benjamin Franklin, right? Which is not bad. That's, you know, I think a lot of schools would be happy to get up to that number. Okay, okay. Another twenty percent or so will enroll at a different school, and uh, the number one other school they might enroll in is, is say, Bunker Hill Community College. Yeah, I uh, wondered. Yeah, um, Mass Bay, another yeah, another popular one, and then you know forty or fifty other institutions. You know, a lot of onesies and twosies go to just about anywhere else you can imagine. Right. But then fifty percent, mm. in some cases, a little more than fifty percent, do not enroll in college. Mm. Right. So they they chose they they chose to continue. In, in, I say, two and a half part-time jobs yeah. you know, at low wages. Right. Uh, and it gets back to what you were saying. They yeah. have to live, right? They to and, live. and they know they need the paycheck on Friday because mom's asking for help with the rent. Right. right? Um, and, and, you know, to say, oh, two years from now, you know, yeah. I'll be, you know, it's like, that, that might as well, you know, that's like next century, yeah. right? And so that's a, very, that's a very hard thing. They're keenly aware of the opportunity cost of going to college and almost absolutely oblivious to the opportunity to cost of not going right. right they don't understand that yes you can stay in this job and you have a paycheck on friday 
But then a year from now, that paycheck's not going to be any better. In fact, 10 years from now, it's you're still going to be, gonna be chasing after those jobs that don't treat you right. You know, you can't quite get there. And, and so that's, a, that's, a, that's like the, sort of the essential challenge. So how, how do kids, well, first of all, do kids who enroll, yeah. so that 25%, do they look any different than the 50% who choose not to enroll? Uh, there obviously is a difference. Mm-hmm. We're really struggling to understand what it is mm-hmm. because if you, you know, if you put, uh, you know, you put two who enrolled at Benjamin Franklin mm-hmm. in, in two chairs and then two who did, who stayed on the job and the right. other two, and you could ask them any question, but did you enroll at BFIT? Yeah. You would have a very hard time telling them apart. Yeah. Right. It, it really is. It, it, it's, it's a bit of a mystery. We don't, we don't quite understand what it is. And I think some of it is really little things. It's like a weird coincidence. You know, it's like, oh, it rained that day, so I'm going to spend the next 20 years in a bad job. Yeah. You know, it's really, and no, I'm, right. I'm not kidding. It's, yeah. like very, it's, it's bizarre that sort of the little things that can sort of Get shift the, the trajectory. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it is a major shift. So, so right. how do kids do it who do enroll? I know so, Pell Grants pay yep. for their acad- the academic the, side of their it, 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 Yeah, so um, uh, Pell Grants cover about little more than a third okay. of the cost to educate them for a year. Okay. Right? And our tuition is actually pretty close to our, the two numbers are not strictly linked. You know, yeah. we have to set a tuition. We haven't changed our tuition since 2012, by okay. the way. Wow. It's been the same number for a bunch of years, which is, which is a little crazy. Yeah. But um, it's, they don't, they, it, it, we could set whatever number we want. It's just, you know, it's not going to, that's not really going to change anything. Yeah. Um, so, the students come to us. The tuition is about seventeen thousand, yep. and they'll get six thousand in a Pell Grant. Yep. Um, most of them will, um, more than half will. Um, they also have to accept the fifty-five hundred dollars federal student loan, right? Okay. Which is which is a frightening prospect for some of them. Yeah, and it's yeah. certainly something that you want to take seriously. Um, but it's a good investment. The other third. Are you allowed to show them how they'll be able to pay that off once they have a we, better paying job? You have to. You can. Okay. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, it'd be crazy not to show them. Yeah. Um, we can't, you know, say, well, "I'll give you a candy bar if you sign right. this." But, right. Um, uh, but, but, but we you are, can help them. We're with supposed the to walk them through. Thinking. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. We're supposed to help them understand, you know, what they're getting into. In fact, we're required by law to give them counseling about what it means okay. to take on debt. Okay. Um, and, um, and for the most part, they, they're smart enough to know, you know they wouldn't do it otherwise. You know, they, yeah. they, they, they know that uh, debt can be a very destructive thing. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and then the other third, we essentially write it off. We give them a scholarship. And so um, about half, a little more than half of our students, the, the federal form, the FAFSA you fill out, mm-hmm. comes back with a number. It's called the expected family contribution. Yeah. And for most of our students, that number is zero, mm-hmm. right? which means the federal government, even the federal government says, you don't have any money to put towards your education. Right. Right? And so we do everything we need to to get your tuition bill with us to zero. Okay. Right? And so it's not the same as being free because you've agreed to pay back yeah. some of that right. after you graduate. Right. Um, I wish people would lend me money on those terms. It's actually, you know, federal student loans are actually not a bad deal. Yeah. There's a lot of other types of loans which are not so good. And right. the one problem with federal student loans is they're almost, it's almost unlimited the amount of money you could borrow, yeah, <laughs> if yeah, yeah, if you, yeah. you know, if you're yeah. willing to do it. Yeah. So you have to be very careful you don't, you know, take on too much. Right. Um, that we, now, we have an agreement with the mayor yeah. that we're part of the tuition free community college yes. program. So some students, and there's a series of terms and conditions, which are set by the city, they're not set by us, mm-hmm. where we've essentially said, you don't even need to take out the loan. 
You'll take oh. your Pell Grant and we'll give you a scholarship for the rest, oh. right? That's, um, there, it's, it, it is a limited group, but we do everything we can for the other students as well. We have, a, we have also what we call the Boston Residence Scholarship Program. So, yeah. so even if you don't qualify for the city version of it, we're doing everything we can to get you as close to that as, as you can. So it is, it, it really, it, you know, it, it is expensive, but more it's expensive because you can't, work as many hours as you did. Right. I mean, there stu- the students who try don't do well. Yeah. Right? And there's a couple exceptions. But generally speaking, we say you know, 20 hours a week even is a lot. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And it's very hard for them to work anything less than 20 hours and, and, and make ends meet. So, yeah. so that's the, really the tension at the heart of it. And we're, it was interesting. I was just looking at some numbers this morning. Um, we, we did an orientation today for the first group of students who are going to be starting in September. It was a wonderful group, and they're very excited about being there. And, and we have our students do a lot of the orientation. Yeah. They say, here's what it's like to be a student here. And they're, they, have, they're, they have a yellow T-shirt on, so you can go up to them and ask them any question you want. And, and I told them this morning, you know, you don't, don't believe me. I don't know anything. Talk yeah. to the other students. And th- it was interesting because the question was, well, how much time do you spend on homework? And, and one of the kids said, oh, six hours. You know, so we're thinking, oh, geez. It's not much, you know. And he's like, yeah. So six hours, you know, and so that's like, you know, 30 or so hours a week. He was talking about six, not six a, hours a, a week. Day. Six hours a day yeah. on homework, right. right? And that's something, like I said, these are not kids who come from backgrounds where everybody goes to college. So they often say, wow, I got, you know, 16 hours a class a week. That's easy. Right. You know, that's like, that's like the job I have over, you know, what it is, you know. Right. So they don't understand that. Well, yeah, but then there's probably twice that many hours where you're doing the work outside of class. Yeah. And that's something we tell them over and over again. But but until you're really in it, exactly. you don't realize yeah. it. And yeah. so so your your graduation rates are quite high for uh, they're relatively speaking. Relatively they're, they're speaking as times, compared to three times higher than the, the community colleges yeah. in Massachusetts. Right. Um, but we're working really hard to make them even better. They're you know there there's there's still only about fifty percent. So yeah. um, which is which is not good enough. So, and do you think so? The other fifty percent who don't end up graduating is yeah. it? Is it go back to just needing to make more uh, money? The the demands of life yeah. are a significant yeah. contributor to um, you know lack of progress. Right. Um, the other thing is that it is hard. College is hard, and yeah. we try to create. Well, we do. We create a very supportive environment, and it's a place that. I think for the most part, the students like being there. Mm-hmm. Like they, they don't, they, 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 they're comfortable in the environment. They feel welcome. They feel supported, which is probably the number one factor for learning, right? You have to feel comfortable and safe. If you yeah. don't feel comfortable and safe, you're not going to learn anything, right? right? You might learn, get out of here, right? right. But that's the only thing you're going to learn. Right. Uh, so th- that's the case, but then the rest of life is still going on. Yeah. And uh, they have to spend, like, you know, this one student said six hours a day. I mean, that's, he's a great student if he's putting in six hours a day. Yeah. Um, that, that it takes a lot of work. Yeah. And you have to accept that you're not necessarily going to learn everything all at once. Right. right. Which is another thing that's very, it's hard for people. You figure, I'm not getting this. Well, of course you're not. It's, there's a lot there, right? Yeah. You're not going to learn it in a few minutes. So um, when we look at the students who, who don't come back, yeah. right, the, um, there's a, a range of things that cause that, but a lot of them have actually not not been successful academically, right? So um, because we're a 
institution that awards federal aid, we have to have a definition of satisfactory academic progress. And it has to do with the grades you get, basically, yeah, right? Like right. If, you're not, if you're not finishing your classes successfully, we have to pull you aside and say, we don't know that we can give you any more federal aid. What's right. going on? Right. You know, we'll give you, do better this semester. If at the end of that semester they still haven't improved, we, we were required by law to suspend them. Yep. Now, if I'm suspended, I can come back and say, I think I should be allowed to come back. You can appeal that. And together we'll draw up a plan. Here's what you're going to do. You know, well, what happened? Why, why weren't you successful? And, and a lot of times you can identify specific things that yeah. you can do differently. Um, and some students go into suspension, they come back on probation, and then they do fine. They, you know, well, at least they do well enough to make progress and graduate yeah. and then go on to the job. Uh, but a lot of the students who don't come back were suspended, they came back on probation, and they still didn't succeed. Mm. And that's something we're, we're really focused on that. Why is that, right? Um, when I came to Benjamin Franklin, I was of the belief that it was always just about the external factors, right? That they, that, you know, these are perfectly smart people, right? Yep. There's, there's no inherent reason why they couldn't be successful. We just need to support them properly, yeah. right? And, and I think that's true, mm -hmm. but it's also very hard. And I think that we're not helping anyone by pretending it's not as hard as it is, right? Yeah, right. And so one of the things we're really looking at now is the learning itself, yep. right? We just added, over the last couple of years, we put a learning management system in place. And that is, a lot of people think of that, oh, well, that's how you do distance learning, right? But we're not offering any distance courses, mm. but that's so that you can, you have 24 hour a day access to your course materials, right? You can watch the lecture that you went to this morning and you were a little out of sorts because you, you, know, you right. weren't quite awake. Right. Well, you watch it again tonight, huh. right? And tomorrow That's when terrific. you're doing your, you know, when you're trying to finish that assignment, you go, what did the professor say about it? You can go and look at it. Right? Is, that, so, is that working? Is um, that it, it's, it's, um, it's too soon to tell whether it's making a difference in the completion rate. Yeah. But the student, you know, the, the, the customer feedback is really good. The students yeah. love it. Yeah. And actually the professors like it more than I thought they would. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, it, the, the cool thing is now the co your college is on your phone. Right. And so, yeah, which is where you really want everything. Absolutely, to be. right. That's yeah. where you live. So, yeah. um, so let me ask you a question about about learning styles because I you've worked with Boston Public Schools for a long time. Yeah. And and there's this notion of dual enro enrollment where I as a student can be in high school and also enrolled and getting college credits, which you could talk about in a second. But yeah. um, but there's this other thing that you've been thinking about where, you know, why why shouldn't a high school student just be fully enrolled in Benjamin Franklin at some point so that their trajectory is, is you know, their outcome will be a, a job and there's a very definitive, plus I think it probably helps them be more in the groove earlier um, in terms of, in terms of understanding the academic demands and also the flow, like being in the flow already of, of the, what is going to be a demanding curriculum. So can you talk a little bit about how you work with Boston Public Schools now and in a perfect world, what, what would, what would be a great way for you to work with Boston Public Schools? So for well, probably about 12 years now, we have had, um, I guess you could say it's a policy that, you know, if you're a BPS high school student, you can take any of our classes that you're, for which you are academically qualified yep. for free. Okay. Right? Um, we have no one wandering in and saying, I want to take this class. Right. Um, um, what we do have is staff who go to the high schools and mm -hmm. talk to the teachers and the guidance counselors and say, 
you got any kids who want to take high school, uh, college courses? Yeah. And actually, we'll go in and say, anyone here want to take a college course? Let me tell you what we have to offer. And sign up. And we bring them in. We give them the put them through the placement process yeah. and say, what do you want to take? Here's a course you might be interested in. You know, a couple of your classmates are in here. And, mm-hmm. and so we sign them up. And we have, you know, 100 to 200 at any given time, high school students taking one or more classes. We also have about two dozen, um, this last spring, we had about two dozen seniors. I think there was actually one or, there was at least one junior in there too, but that's a little harder to work. Um, about two dozen seniors from uh, Burke and Madison Park, mm-hmm. and a couple from Eastie, who were, they were still in high school, but mm-hmm. they were fully released to attend Benjamin Franklin. So they were full-time students at Benjamin Franklin. So they really had high all school. of their... Yeah, they, they, if you saw them in class, you wouldn't know that they weren't Benjamin Franklin. And they really, they had all their credits already for high school to graduate? Um, well, the high school back transfers the learning at Benjamin Franklin. Oh, okay. To, so to, it counts. To, yes, it counts toward their high school. Towards right. their high school. Yeah. True, uh, true dual enrollment, you're yeah. getting credit in both places. Okay, got right? it. So uh, that's, that's a best practice. You want to make sure that it's not, you're not taking something away from them, you're adding something in. Got it. And, and so um, those students, you know, they finish high school while at Benjamin Franklin. And mm. um, there's, there's a lot of, as you pointed out, there's a lot of things to like about that. Um, some people wouldn't want to do it because they think it's fun to be a senior in high school at the high school. Right. You know, I wish someone had given me that chance. I, I didn't think it was all that great. But um, uh, so we're doing that now. That's a that's a pilot program. Okay. You know, it's um, we actually could accommodate a few more than we have now, um, mm-hmm. but it's not like you know if if you know bus after bus of. Like I said, if the number 43 was letting off, you know, yeah. hundreds of them, we'd have to figure out a way to serve them. Um, but so that's, we're ramping that up. Our, it is our intention to get that number up over 100. But, um, but so right now, like I said, it's, a, you know, 20 to 30 students. Um, what we would like to do in the long run is have it be really a recognized learning pathway mm-hmm. in, in, in the Boston Public Schools. Mm-hmm. So um, when you're picking your high school, you can say, I'm going to go to school X because, you know, all the reasons you might like that high school. And um, once I'm there, I'm also a Benjamin Franklin student. Right. Um, You're probably not going to do a lot of college level work in ninth grade, but you might do a little and you can certainly start to get oriented toward the demands of college. And this and this notion that there's a pathway with a job that, yes, that's not a $15 an hour job. That's 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 exactly right. That you want the, you want the ninth graders to say, I'm going to go out and get one of those, you know, twenty-five to thirty-dollar an hour jobs, yeah, right? right? And and I'm on path to do that yeah. because then ninth grade is better, right? Even if you're not doing the college courses, you understand what you know. You're getting yourself ready for the other right. stuff you'll learn, right? Right, because for some, college is the goal. For others, the right job could right. certainly be the goal. Who who are the employers that you work with in the city? Um, in the city, the or around the yeah, city. Or, yeah. Or around the area. Um, so I'll start with some of the sort of the. The, the real real stars. Um, we have a partnership now with um, Procter and Gamble Gillette, uh-huh. right? Which is which is interesting. I you know I I'd seen the big sign there, yeah, and I didn't really know much about the company. I've obviously, razor blades, yeah, right? Right. But it's a incredibly high tech company. Yeah. The their manufacturing facility is like a giant robot. In fact. You, most part, they don't let people in who don't work there because you could get hurt. And, yeah. and what it is, is you have to be careful because you'll get run over by the robots. So like everything is being done automatically. Right. And um, and it's a robot that puts razor blades out the other end. And 
they're also making the machinery that's used at other Gillette plants around the world. Mm-hmm. So it's you know it's sort of a factory that makes factories, which is really kind of a kind of a cool philosophical yeah, idea. Cool. Yeah. Um, but they the requirements for the job, you know, somebody needs to take care of this robot, right, yeah. and teach it and and grow it, and that's a it's a at the, no one is teaching just that, right? Mm-hmm. You can't. I mean, even right. if you go into a robotics program, they're not necessarily teaching you about, you know, well, that's Gillette's robot. Exactly. I right. mean, that's you know, that's like five hundred volts or you know, thousand volts. It's like it's not just like you know, a little circuit board. I right. mean, you have to be really careful about what you're doing. And they came. Uh, the mayor actually introduced us to Benjamin Franklin, and they looked at our curriculum and said, yeah. "That's it. That's those, those are the skills we need." And so they had only been doing internships for students in four-year colleges. Uh-huh. And we said, no, oh, you're missing the boat there. Right. You know, take a look at these kids from, from Boston right. who are in a two-year program. And so they, they now have an internship track for Benjamin Franklin students. And they've been hiring you know, a few every year. Right. And they also, some of their current employees, they've said, get over to Benjamin Franklin to learn that good stuff. Really? So yeah, so they're, a, they're, like, a great, they're like a model employer for yeah. us, right? Very engaged in talking to us about the content of what we're teaching. Right? Yeah, I can imagine that's important in a, in the right partner Criti- is that they're helping you understand what the requirements of the job are going to be. Critically important, right? Right. I mean, it's the the people who teach at Benjamin Franklin typically come from the industry that they're preparing students to go into, and so what, that helps. But and aside from the fact that you're able to deliver curriculum and train people properly, is there something else about the brand that they like? Do people who graduate from Benjamin Franklin understand better how to work within their how to you know how to how to work within their corporation or do, are there attributes that you're also working on with your students so that they kind of move into these jobs and because they're the first in their families to yeah. have a job like this there's there's got to be some other cultural stuff that has the, to happen around that, that's absolutely right yeah the well, I'll give you an example. We do a, a big career fair and usually around March every okay. year, right? And we had, we, we have about as many employers as we can fit. I think we had about 80 this oh, spring, that's right? that's a ton. Yeah, and it's quite a variety. And then there's some who are like, well, I can't come that day, so can, I, can you set a room aside for me next week? Yeah. And the... Um, I walk, I talk to as many of them as I can that day and I say, you know, how's it going? You finding anybody you like? And they, yeah. they, the... They have big grins on their faces, the recruiters who come. And the thing that they say that just, you know, warms my heart is they say, you know, these young people are amazing. They, you know, they, they, they're standing up straight. They walk up to me, look me in the eye, shake my hand, hand me the resume and say, what do you have that I might be interested in? Right. And, and that assertiveness, that confidence that the, you know, the, the, the ability to sort of present themselves is very appealing to the employers. Confidence is such a yeah, big deal. Yeah. yeah. And and we work really hard. You know, I think always think to myself, I'm glad they didn't see them on day one, right? Yeah. And not nothing against them on day one. It's just they were still high school kids on day one, right? right. And so um so but, but that's a part do you think is that a part of why you're more successful than other community schools at graduating higher rates of the students who enter your school? I obviously I think about that a lot. Yeah. I, I, there are a number of things. Um, one one is that we were very deliberate about telling them the commitment that's required to do this. Right? Yeah. We say, here's what you need to do. Yeah. And the goal is to get them through in two years, right? If it's a two year degree, we want you to graduate in two years, not in four years or you know an unlimited period of time. Right. And so there's a track that's laid out for you. So you know the steps you need to take at each point. 
that helps you plan. It also makes it clear that this needs to be your commitment. Right. right? Um, there, this is changing, but you know, I was at a community college in Connecticut for a long time and there was a sense of, you know, yeah, if you feel like coming, that's cool. Right. You know? And, and there was almost, it, it was almost like a bait and switch. It's like, Oh, you'll have no trouble fitting this into your life. Anybody can do this. Well, anybody can do it, but it's, it takes a major commitment, commitment. to do it. And, yeah. and, what that commitment entails, like what do you actually have to do at each step? Yeah. Those things need to be very clear. Right? Well, I also think, I mean, I know you work a lot with technology companies and in, yeah. in technology um, disciplines, and, and I think it's it's important for people to feel, especially if you're trying to end something that you can, that you can trust that this ending is going to be a fulfilling part of your life. And whereas if you're entering into a two-year history degree in a community college i mean i don't know what outcomes you you know your expectations you have and you can see how easy it is to slip away from that yeah yeah well i mean if you uh if you were to study history in a community college it there's a good chance it would prepare you to be a history student at a four-year school right yes. I mean, we would hope that it would if, right? if you get and that far if you get that far right, right. so you you're committing to prepare yourself to get prepared, right? Correct. Which right. which is a great thing. I mean, it's, people can learn a lot from history. Totally. Um, uh, but it's it can be a little too abstract, and also I think the community colleges are struggling, and and they, and, and that's the right word. I mean, it's this is something that they're they're Grappling they they're, they're recognizing, yeah. right? That yeah. that. There needs to be a path, right? It needs to be very clear. You yeah. can't just say, "Oh, there's a way, there is a way to get from here to there." Good luck finding it out, right? right. Um, so there's more effort now to say, "This is you need to be here at this time, and then at this point at another time," and and that makes a big difference. Even if it's history, right? You need right. to say, "Well, everyone has to take history 101, right?" And you need to take English 101, right? Because reading and writing are, you know, most of how you're going to interact with materials in history, right? Um, and so that, you know, that needs, it needs to be clear. You start with that and then, but then next semester, you're going to be learning these other things, right? Yeah. And then, and beyond that. And so that needs to be spelled out. And I think there's the, the, the term that is used in the literature is the cafeteria model, right? That's sort of like yes. the community colleges have been this wonderful cafeteria where you can sort of come in and put anything on your tray you want, right? right. Whether you can afford it, whether you can get, you know, eat it. You know, right. whether you like it, right. you know, it, whether it's going to nourish you, that doesn't matter. It's, we'd sort of say, well, it's up to the student to pick the, the right things from the cafeteria, um, which is great for a small proportion of the population that's very clear about what they need to do to get where they're going. Yeah, or who are either confident or life has handed them a set of circumstances where, you know, kind of, it, it doesn't matter so much, right? Yeah, like yeah. that you're there to learn yeah. and build relationships, right. like you're saying, and yeah. then eventually it's, it'll all work yeah. out. No, I mean, I think it's wonderful that, the, you know, the, the idea behind community colleges is, is perfect, right? It's, you know, it's just college for everyone. Yeah. Um, the problem is it's not a passive thing. We need to be active right. in providing them with college. You can't just say, it's here, you know, come and get it. Good luck. Exactly. Um, so, and, and Massachusetts, I think has not done a good job of setting up the community colleges for success. Oh, that's interesting. All right. We, um, last question. Um, so you're about, uh, your enrollment is about 
500 plus students right now. Is yeah, it's that between right? five and 600. Five yeah. and 600. Yeah. So, We've so. You've been growing. You've been growing. Yeah. So, it, but there, there's, it's, it's a very high touch model, it, yeah. it seems yeah. like. And so, so if you were to double or triple, right? Because yeah. I would think the more companies who understand yeah. the, the um, process that you use to, um, grow students and and help them get placed in particular jobs, the more interest there's going to be from employers, especially in this ridiculously good economy. We're, we're, we're certainly hoping that's the yeah. case. But so how, how, how scalable is your model, do you think? It's, it's a great question. There are certain things, you know, right now our class sizes are bordering on too small, right? I mean, a typical class might be 10, 11, 12 students, which is fine. Uh, less than 10, it's actually harder to maintain a sense of community. And, and some people feel too exposed if there's not enough people in the room. Yeah. So if that were to grow from, say, 10 to 15, yeah. right, that's still, a, you know, 15 is still a very small class. And that's a 50% growth, right? right. So, um, so that's something we're looking at. One thing we know is that the, the coaching element of it, right, would pretty much have to scale with enrollment, right? We can't say, yeah. oh, there's more students here now. They have to fend for themselves. Right. So that's a, that's a part that's not, you know, the per student cost of student support will you know, go up. I mean, it'll stay constant as the number of students go up. Instructional cost will go down. So when I think about scalability, right now... If you look at the cost per graduate, right, you take total expenditures at, by an institution, mm -hmm. divide by the number of people who get credentials right. every year, right? That's a cost per graduate, right? right. Um, without regard for who's paying that cost, right? right. Um, that number is smaller for Benjamin Franklin than it is for the community colleges. Interesting, right? okay. Um, the, um, huh. But least, it seems you provide more hand-holding, too. We do, yeah. we do, but it's that's a good investment, right? right? It, oh, absolutely. It, it, it is producing more of a return in terms of student success than the investment. You know what I mean? It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a positive return on an investment. And so that's a very hard, that's going to be a tough argument for the community colleges to make, to say yeah. to, say to the, the, the state, you should give us more money so we can do more hand-holding, right? right. Um, but I think we need to, we need to, let them do that, right? Yeah. It's not. It's not going to. We can't shortchange them and say you need to do better. Though we're giving you less, right? No, and it sounds like it's key actually to yes. the success of these students. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the other thing is that, you know, as we grow, you know, they won't need more, any more of me. Right? right. It's not like you'll need two presidents right. when they're when they're twice You're as many fully students. scalable. Uh, exactly <laughs> right. I'm, there's a lot of economies of scale with yeah, me, right? right? I mean, I could, I, I personally could support, you know, thousands of students, right? Right. Right. So, uh, so there'd be better, better value if there's more students. So, do you think? Do you think that? Um, what's the better strategy for your growth? To trying to grow this Boston Public Schools partnership and and growing that way, or, or just kind of working through marketing tactics? Um, and, uh, I would say both. Yeah. Um, we we've only been around for 110 years, right? Which is you know, no time at all in Boston. Right. And it really, even in the t I've been in Boston now for what uh, almost eight years. Yeah. And um, even in the time I've been here, I've seen our profile expand. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised at how poorly known the yeah. FIT was. Yeah. When absolutely. I came here in 2011. Yeah. And even now, I meet people all the time who have, no who idea. have literally never heard of us. Yeah. And that's something we're working very hard to change. So, so we need to build the brand, build the name recognition, and make a pretty broad segment of, of society know what we do. Right. right. Because it, very commonly people say, oh, my God, you're doing that? 
You know? Well, the way I describe you is I say that you can take a D student out of Boston public schools and turn them into a $50,000 a year. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Right? Yeah, yeah, and it's like, yeah. and I think that really yeah. makes people kind of perk up. Right. Because no one knows that you can do that. Right. No, that's very true. It's very true. In fact, people probably assume that you can't. That, that it must be impossible. Absolutely. Right. right? Absolutely. And, and I don't know. There's there's any number of reasons why somebody would be a D student, right? Well, that's exactly it. And, and, and they could also be incredibly bright. And they be can be, student. yes. Well, yeah. we find that many of them are. Right. I know. That's, yeah. That is such, that yeah. is the thing I think that is lost on most employers until they really meet you and interact with your students. Yes. Um, but it's certainly the message that I've been carrying for you because right. I think it's incredible what thank you're you. doing. Well, thank you so much for being here thank, today. We really you, appreciate Jill. the conversation. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Tony Benoit, the president of Benjamin Franklin Institute. The work that they do is magical, and I hope that they are able to double or triple their student body over the next decade. It would be amazing if they were able to work more deeply with BPS so that more students are able to learn about the programs and job opportunities that they have to offer. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share it with friends and colleagues. Thanks so much for listening.